Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. Um, I'm so interested in this subject because I am a dog lover and I have something I call a sober dog. She helps keep me sober. And I've been clean 33 years. I wish I had her that long, but I don't. But she's actually keeping me, keeps me on the even keel. So we're going to have some fun conversations. Talking to my friend Michael has a new book out we're going to be talking about. Michael, my brother, what's going on? Oh, man, I am so excited to be here. Thank you, Richard. Oh, man, it's, it's my pleasure. And, you know, I love subjects that I know nothing about. And so that's why I invite experts <laughs> like you to come on the show. And, and I love the picture of you and your dog, by the way. I think that's beautiful. So first of all, you got to tell us, you know, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And what kind of little kid was Michael? Oh, God. Okay. How many hours do we have? <laughs> we got as long, <laughs> as long as we need, brother. <laughs> all right. Uh, so born in Boulder, Colorado. Um, literally just born there and then went home later that day. Uh, grew up in Denver. Been... A few different spots around the country, lived in San Diego for a while, Tahoe, currently residing in Fort Collins, Colorado. So were you a good student? Were you a good athlete? Um, I was a pretty good athlete. I did a lot of stuff. I ended up being a, a ski instructor and a race coach, worked as a commercial diver. I did climbing, high angle approach stuff, uh, some rock climbing, mountaineering. Um, yeah, I love being outside. Um, yeah. Did you go to yeah. college? Um, oh, yeah. Back to student. Yeah, I was a terrible student. Terrible student. I was distracted easily. I got bored easily. Um, and I loved getting myself in trouble. So, yeah, I never finished college. I went back and forth a few times and uh, realized, no, I need to go somewhere else. <laughs> what kind of jobs did you hold once you decided, well, college isn't for me? Um, oh, I did all sorts of cool stuff. Um, like I said, back and forth to Tahoe a number of times. Um, I got in construction. I did everything from building swimming pools to custom homes. Um, I was an EMT for about 15 years, working mostly in the ER and also operating rooms and level one trauma center, um, south of Denver for almost eight years. Yeah. I definitely would like to talk about that because I'm a big, um, first responder advocate. And I, you know, the average life expectancy, you know, for an average male in the United States is 78, but the average life expectancy for a first responder is 58 years old. So that's a 20 year difference. Why do you think that is? Oh, man. Um, I got a whole litany of reasons, but I think um, first responders, they're a special breed. And, you know, where that comes from as an individual, I think it varies quite a bit, but I think it comes down to these people who are, they're out there really wanting to help other folks. They're trying to save other people. I think that maybe their life was not so easy and they find it um, easier as it were to go help others than it is to actually dig into, dig into their own lives and take care of their own health. And they're, so they're constantly out there um, putting it on the line every single day. They don't know what they're going to get right for a call. Um, you know, yeah, I used to work closely with the guys from SWAT, uh, you know, multiple fire departments, hazmat guys. And I tell you, I, I, I love those guys. 
Nobody, nobody understands them. So what made you decide, all right, I want to move on to something else? So at the time I was working in this trauma center, I was in a bad marriage myself. Um, nothing against my ex, but it uh, was not a good place for me. And um, we also had a PT, uh, pediatric level one trauma commitment. So we got all kinds of crazy pediatric stuff. And that was really starting to get to me. So between bad marriage, um, super tense, stressful job, seeing kids die, I'm like, I need to go do something else. So, no, because, you know, um, they say that losing a job and getting divorced are like the t- one of the two highest, pri- you know, it's highest uh, depression rates bes- besides losing a child. So you went through not one of them, but two of them at the same time. So how did you deal with your mental state? Um, not very well at times. <laughs> but uh, now luckily, while I was still married, um, you know, I would quit the ER job before I before I quit that. But um, I luckily had these two awesome dogs that um, just gave me, you know, you'll hear this a million times from other people, unconditional love. They accepted me no matter how grumpy I was. They didn't care, um, you know, they didn't care what kind of house we lived in or what kind of car we drove. And they were just there and I could, I could go and have fun and, and take my mind. It was like a meditation for me. I could take my mind off of all my other stuff because I could go do something fun with my dogs. And that helped me immensely. Now, have you always been a dog owner? Not my entire life, but I've had, um, I just rescued another dog. Um, the picture you've seen me with, with that little blonde dog, he passed away in May. Um, I just rescued another girl uh, a couple weeks ago, but, uh, for most of my life, I had a dog. There was a a period in uh, my late teens into my late twenties where I did not have a dog. And that is actually one of the periods where I struggled, uh, pretty hard in my life. So what did you do after you, um, left the EMTs? Um, Oh man, what did I do? I went and worked for um, like medical device company, durable medical equipment for like nursing homes and bariatric patients, you know, people who are uh, morbidly obese, Um, did that kind of thing for a while. And then I got picked up by a big medical device company and I ended up working for them for five years, became a regional manager and and had uh, managed folks across 12 states. And uh, that was a that was an impressive job as far as the title and the role, but um, living out of a suitcase and traveling all the time, that sucked. <laughs> what, what company was that? That was Stryker, S-T-R-Y-K-E-R. All yeah, right. they're huge. All right, brother. They are huge. We got to go because uh, my wife actually has been with Stryker for over 30 years now. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, She's been with Stryker. They, they're, they've been, they're a huge company. So they're mm-hmm. doing a lot of great things. So now, you know, now you decide when did you start getting into energy healing and realizing, all right, you know, a dog is more than just a man's best friend, you know, in words, they can actually become your, as you say, you know, as the person says, a soulmate. So talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about that. What made that, what was that, you know, come to Jesus moment where you realized this? Oh, great question. So, um, April 18th, 2017, uh, my older brother passed away. And this guy was kind of my hero. He was this quiet, quiet, beautiful man. He was 
he was gentle and he didn't care what color you were, what your background was. He didn't give a crap. If he liked you, he liked you. He was just a loving man. Anyway, he was real sick. He had a bad heart and he ended up going pretty quick. And that just tore me up. So I was able to grieve. Like, I, you know, I cried like I'd never cried in my life. And I grieved. And that somehow released other things, like, that I kept buried in a lot of anger and shame and all these other things. I was able to release all these things. And I started to notice things differently afterwards. And memories came flooding back. And, and all these things, amazing things about animals and how they help others. Um, on so many levels and, and all the, on my own experiences came to. And at that point, I, I said, I want to give back to them. So I started looking at different things and um, ended up looking into energy healing. I think actually my mom is the one who prompted me towards it. And I was just loving it. I, I trained in multiple modalities and kind of ended up doing my own thing. So now what kind of energy healing do, do, do you do? Um, I don't even know what to call it. Um, I just, I think of it as an opening. Um, you know, I trained in healing touch, healing touch for animals, Reiki, and, you know, trained with multiple masters. And one day I was doing a distance treatment for a Reiki master friend of mine and, and it just blew up my socks off as well as hers. And she's like, what'd you do? I'm like, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> and I just, um, I, I intermixed like, uh, some some flow with like qigong and i just find myself in this other place and i it for me it just creates an opening for someone else to realize their own energy potential i'm not actually fixing someone i'm not actually you know doing all these things for them i'm showing them and helping them create an opportunity for themselves okay now i have a friend was a massage therapist for years and they would say, you know, we'd go hang out and whatever, have dinner. And they would come back and they're like, some days were like great. Their energy levels were high. And then they would get an energy sucker on their table. And mm -hmm. they said they would be so out of energy just for doing that one hour, um, you know, one hour healing that they were actually wore out for the whole day just because that person has such negative energy. Have you ever gone through anything like that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I still, if I'm not careful, I, people around me, um, if they get, you know, inside my boundary in that way, I feel it. Um, and it, it's, it's uncomfortable. And sometimes I have to say, is this my energy? You know, am I feeling somebody else's crap? Is this my own stuff? So, uh, yeah. And I, cause I don't always want to be on guard. So I let a lot in, but, um, yeah, people out there definitely, they want to hang out with people who have great energy because maybe they don't feel so awesome. And so they try and take that. They're not, you know, like trying to steal from you, but they're just, in, they're enjoying your energy and it's, and some people get sapped. And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, cause now we, I've talked to a lot of high achievers, athletes, seven, eight, nine figure earners. And, you know, they say that you are the average of the five people you hang around with the most. So if you're hanging around with low energy people, there's there, there's no you know there's no reason to not know why you're being so low energy and tired if you're always hanging around with low energy people so what are your thoughts on you know sometimes you have to upgrade your circle you know addition by subtraction yeah absolutely there's a phrase i heard years ago um hang out with the people that you want to be like right so there's people you look up to or people are doing things that you want to do find a way to go spend time with those people 
you know, is, is there some secret they have? Is there just some perspective that they have on something? They can see something differently. They feel things differently. They notice things differently. So, yeah, that makes total sense. So now, you know, because like I'm very big into the veteran and the first responders space, and I know how closely um, horses help veterans with post-traumatic stress. And for some reason that there's a, some kind of kinship and some kind of bond. And I think it's mm-hmm. also the same thing with, with, um, you know, dogs. Um, can you talk about the relationship between, you know, dogs and humans and how they, they, they can interrelate? Absolutely. So the, the horses are fantastic. I actually have s- several friends who do different types of equine therapy, their vet assisted programs. Uh, Promise Ranch in Colorado is, is one that I've actually worked with. Um, I volunteered out there. But they um, they sense differently, right? So horses have an, a gigantic energy field and they can pick up on things and they attune themselves to the people that they want to be around and they naturally would like to help. Um, dogs are so similar. Um, people think that they may have chosen their dog. Well, maybe energetically their dog actually attracted them to them we we have a hard time understanding that you know we we want to be able to prove everything and we take a test and use a scantron and and it has to be quantifiable well everything is actually energy so it comes back to what that person needs and then we have these amazing animals that are very frequently able to give us that even though we don't know what we want so talk to us about oh sorry <laughs> excuse me i'm sorry um, bless you talk to me about dogs and men creating men on purpose so men learn from other men and from their dads and let's assume for the sake of argument that their dad was you know high achiever strong guy tough could be could be gentle and loving, um, but not in the context of being in front of other people, and especially other guys. Maybe at home he could settle a little bit. But we don't get taught the same way that uh, a lot of women do. We're, we're not taught that it's okay to express our feelings. And that's a huge, huge thing. We are taught to be tough. We're taught to suck it up. Um, don't let them see you hurt. Don't let them see you cry. All these things, we're, we're all these different identities that are layered over the top of us. We are not able to remember who we actually are. And the dogs have an in because when a guy goes home, you know, he goes, he leaves the office or wherever, goes home, hangs out with his dog, his guard drops and he can, he can be playful and fun and gentle and loving and sweet with this great animal next to him. But he can't do this with these other people in his life. So it's fascinating. The dogs have this automatic in. And that's where I'm trying to come from. And You know, like for me, it's my wife's dog. I mean, it's our dog. But in reality, it's my wife's dog. Um, you know, she's her name is Ginger. And she's, a you know, a little um, terrier. And she, you know, every time my wife walks in the room, you could just see my the dog's eye light up. She follows her around. Um, it's just, I've never seen a pure love than I have, you know, from, you know, from people. And I think, you know, cause the dog realizes, you know, I love this person. I'm happy when they come home. I'll listen to them complain all day long. You know what I mean? And there's something about her that just, it's pure. 
And there's something about a dog's pure love. You know what I'm trying to say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, think about this. They're not hindered uh, mentally with all the stuff that we have going on, right? They don't have to worry about, oh, my God, I need to get the oil change in the car and the mortgage is due and I got to pick up the kids, right? I got to do this, this, that. They don't have all these things. They can just be where they are. Um, and if they're scared, they're scared. But they don't let it. They don't create a story around it. So when they're attached to someone very strongly, they have this incredible bond. They just love them. They just want to love them. That's it. It's very simple. We we have a hard time understanding that it can be so simple. It's very powerful. I have a, a, a friend, Michelle. She, um, she told me a story when she was going through a hard time. She would go in and out of her front door over and over and over again because every time she opened the door, her dog was ecstatic to see her. She did this like several times. Um, in, in one day and just, just to make yourself feel better. You know, now another thing I could say, you know, um, you always hear the, the word alpha dog, you know, and a lot of guys were, I guess where I grew up, I grew up in a little bit of the hood area, you know, the guys that wanted to be all macho, you know, they always had the, the Rottweilers, the, the Dobies, you know, stuff like that pits. But, um, now as I'm starting to see guys that are, you know, cause I'm, I was in the health and fitness industry for 30 years. Now I'm seeing bodybuilders that I used to know, you know, now they're walking around with like these little two pound dogs, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. those people that have the little dogs, for some reason, it seems they're more confident in their manhood than the ones that always have to be surrounded by Roddy's and pits and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Why? Is Absolutely. That? that is. Well, and it's interesting because alpha, the alpha male, it's being completely misconstrued. If you actually know anything about wolves, which is where this whole thing came from, that the alpha wolf, alpha male and female, they're not necessarily the biggest. They're not necessarily the strongest, but they have a presence about them. They can correct a situation that needs to be corrected, sometimes just with a glance. But they lead and they let the other pack members pull their weight. They don't have to be on top of everybody all the time. They don't have to be thumping their chest and acting big and tough. So it's very different. We think it has to be, you know, I need the biggest dog on the block. I'm the biggest, baddest. That's not alpha. That's not alpha at all. But that's what we've been told it is. So people think, oh, that's what I need to be. Strive for that. But I think things are shifting. I think things are changing. And people are starting to worry less and less about what everybody else thinks about them. So you have, you know, these giant guys carrying these small dogs like Mickey Rourke. He was, the, I think he was the first big popular Hollywood guy. And he was, he was a tough guy. He used to carry around this little, um, I can't remember. It was a Pomeranian or something. I thought that was fantastic. Now I, you know, obviously I, I love dogs. Um, but now I see many, a lot of my friends, have um ptsd dogs um, mm -hmm. i've actually even have some friends that have diabetes dogs which i which i was surprised and really interested to learn that you know some some dogs actually help people that um have epilepsy and yep. stuff like that so now talk to us about dogs can be you know help heal but also you know help help their um their masters calm down you know how how do they how does someone go about doing that, or is that something that's taught to them? No, no, it's just a natural thing. So there are actually studies out there, clinical studies of of the effects of petting a dog or petting a cat. 
and the effect that that has on blood pressure and cortisol levels. This is just something natural. It's not something the dog is trained to do. They have a natural calming presence. Now, there are different classifications of dogs that are trained for different types of service. Emotional support. As you mentioned, the medical support dogs, they can you know, let the owner know that, hey, you're about to have a seizure. You need to go lay down. Or you're about to have your blood sugar is too low. You need to get some sugar. They're, they are definitely trained for that. But they, are, they already have this other innate ability to just be present and love. And that's what we're actually building upon when we train them for these other things. And now, you know, I know a lot of um, people that have had dog problems as far, you know, aggressiveness, um, biting and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, I've talked to some trainers now and what I hear a lot is most of it, 90 percent of the time, it's not the animals, it's the owners. And a lot of the owners don't want to take, you know, they don't want to admit that, all right, maybe it's my fault. You know what I mean? So if you think you have a problem with, with you know, an animal when you bring it home, is it advised to take it to a trainer and, you know, become, or do you do it naturally? Um, well, I think some people can do it naturally. Um, although I would, if someone's got an aggressive dog, I would I'd definitely seek some help. And if anybody's looking for somebody who can help them with that, have them reach out to me. I know a bunch of high level trainers that work with some pretty intense animals. Um, it's, you've already kind of hit upon it. You got to train the human, not the dog. So people don't understand their body positioning, their, you know, the way they carry themselves, their energy. If, if they're afraid their dog is going to attack that dog coming towards them and they've got that mental image, they're just sending that to their dog. So we're just, and reinforcing what we don't want to happen most of the time. Okay. That, that makes, makes a lot of sense. Now, when a person gets a dog, because I remember my mother and father, they got a, um, a miniature collie and um, my mother bought it, but it eventually became my dad's dog. Um, and it was so loving and caring, but it had, it had to be, you know, taught, you know, they put the food down for a certain amount of time, picked it up, took them out, and it got in kind of a routine. So you think routines are very good for humans and animals? Because, I, you know, people that I uh, interview, you know, like some Navy SEAL commanders and stuff like that, they always talk about, you know, your routine um, is what sets you up for success or failure. So what are your thoughts on routine in a human and in an animal? Absolutely. I think if, if you're, especially in the early stages of, of uh, you have a new animal in your life, <clears throat> excuse me, that routine is very important. That way they understand that they can count on X, Y, and Z to occur. You know, it doesn't mean it's going to be down to the minute, but they have an understanding of how things need to be. A lot of animals want and crave that structure because they want you to be a pack leader. You don't have to be a chest thumping alpha male, but they want, you know, oftentimes want someone to tell them what to do and they happily just fall right into place. So talk to us about your new book and talk to me why, why you wrote it and what it's about. And for me, I wrote my first book and I'm, I'm probably going to get another one done, but the first book was very uh, cathartic for me. So talk to us about your writings and uh, what else you have going on? 
Awesome. Yeah. It, for, for me too, the, that experience was cathartic and I, I'm like, I don't care what it takes. I need to do this. And years ago, I didn't even know I was going to be writing a book. So it was interesting, but so the book itself is, it's an invitation of sorts to, to guys to be able to look at things a little differently, to change their perspective a little tiny bit at a time to understand that, they can actually live this fantastic life, this exceptional life, just making some small changes. You don't have to compete with everybody. You don't have to be the biggest, baddest, fastest dude on the block. And, you know, as I mentioned before, having a dog gives gives you an advantage. That dog is already going to help you get to where you want to go. And once you start initiating some some of these, you know, minor modifications – the dog's right there with you. So, um, yeah, it's hugely important. So now, um, if I'm a veteran or, you know, if I'm a first responder and I'm listening to this and I want to, you know, thinking about getting a, an animal, um, obviously there's certain dogs that are more apt to help out for what we need. Um, you know, cause I'm sure that if, if you're looking for an emotional support dog, a Dalmatian is probably not going to be one of the best. So, you know, what does a person look for in the kind of animal for their needs? Well, what, what is your lifestyle like? You know, are, are you doing 60 hours a week? You don't have a lot of time to, to get your dog out. You know what I mean? Um, are you an outdoorsy person? Are you a couch potato? So a lot of these things are to be taken into consideration. Funny enough, Great Danes, they're huge couch potatoes. They love loafing around. You're not going to take them hiking. Um, some people like the sporting dogs. You know, I've had multiple Labradors and, you know, but you have to be willing to exercise the hell out of them. Um, you know, working breeds, same thing. Some of these dogs are, they're, you know, on the ranch, they're 30, 40 miles a day. So you have to think, what am I wanting from this animal? Do I just like the way they look? Am I going to be able to keep up with, you know, you got to exercise your mind as, as well as their body. What do they want out of it? So I said, do your homework. And one of the best places to do that, go to the dog park and watch all these dogs interacting and running around. And and you might see this funky little beagle and go, oh, my God, that, that's a great dog. Now, okay, you know, and that's a great idea. I, I never even would have put two and two together. But, you know, now, like, I got a nine-year-old. And, um, you know, we have Ginger. She's, I think she's about 13. But we got her when she was about seven or eight and she doesn't trust my daughter because she hurt her in the past mm. and amazing how a dog or even you know, even a human can hold on to that for so many years so is there a way to regain an animal's trust i think there is we've taken off a lot of love and patience and i'm definitely utilizing the assistance of a professional who, who can help with that um just because you want it doesn't mean the dog does so that's and that's another thing we we don't always respect the animal we think oh this is a cute puppy i'm going to take this dog home put it in the backyard and there we go um these are you know living breathing sentient beings that give so much um it's it's not a toy. So, you know, because I know a lot of people, you know, they they think, you know, purebreds are are or are the best things. 
And then if I talk to other owners, because like we rescued ours, and they think that rescue don't rescue dogs are the best thing ever. So where do you fall when you're picking out? A, do you are you a rescue? Do you rescue dogs also? Um. So my my first dog was an Australian Shepherd from when I was I I think I was five. <clears throat> he was a hoot. This dog was off his cookie. He was so smart. Um. But and I I don't know remember if he was a purebred or not. Um. My next dog was a Lab Newfoundland mix, and he was a rescue. Um, while we had him, we got another black, uh, purebred black lab, and he was just a big goofball. Um, I don't care so much about if they're paper, and this this one was actually a paper dog. He was like a you know AKC registered dog, but he was he was just you know a family member. So I didn't care if he had papers or if he came from here or went from there. To me, it doesn't matter. Um, to me, it's the there's an energetic connection with an animal. Um, my last dog who just passed, I saw a picture of him in a link to an article about a dog fighting ring. And I, I saw his picture. I'm like, oh, there's my dog. So I emailed the woman that morning and she emailed me right back and they brought him over the, the same day. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. People have their their preferences, but you know, I'm not, I'm not shopping for cars when I look at animals. Okay. And you know, I just figured out because that would be a question that uh, I, I think a lot of people would probably, you know, a ask, you know, should I get a purebred, you know, should I, like I found that for us, you know, every dog I've ever had has been, uh, it's not been a purebred, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's been a rescue and it seems like they, they know that we rescued her and she rescued me. So it, it was kind of mm -hmm. going hand in hand, you know? So last couple of questions I have, um, how do we find you? Um, how, how could we find your books and how can we support your mission? Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, my book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and some other outlets. I can't remember. Um, it's called let your dog lead. Um, and my author name is Mike Overly, not Michael, um, which is on my email. But um, so that's available on Amazon and other places. Um, my website is www.dogsandmen.com. There's an email link in there. If somebody has a question, there's a picture of me and Darby on the bottom. Towards the bottom, you can click on that. And there's a bunch of other shows I've been on. Um, if people are just interested about other things I have to say, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Okay. Now, last question. Now it's, it's going to be a, a two-part question. Um, you know, we live in a crazy world. We're still living in a COVID world. So where I live in New Jersey, because of our amazing governor, um, we're going back on lockdown. So a, mm. a lot of people have lost their jobs. You know, a lot of parents are driving Uber just to, you know, put food on a kid's mouth and on a table. So if mm. I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're never going to get to it because they're so busy. But if somebody's listening to this now and I ask him to take an actionable step, they're more than likely to do it. So if somebody is out there right now, whether it's a first responder, whether it's a veteran, or is it just a regular average everyday Joe, if they're struggling with their mental health, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? Talk to somebody. You know, we're so afraid to show any sign of weakness. Um, and so many people are going through something, but they don't want to admit it. You can look at anybody walking down the street. They've got their own stuff. 
Everybody's got something going on. So just realize that no matter what you think, you are not alone. You are not alone. You're enough and you're loved. So talk to somebody. Okay, so now last question is, um, because a lot of people here are entrepreneurs, um, vetrepreneurs. So if somebody is looking to write a book, because a lot of people think, you know what? I'm just going to write a book. It's going to get published and it's going to go on Amazon and I'm going to become a millionaire and going on Oprah next week. So, <laughs> so if somebody's looking to write a book, what are some things that they can actually do to, um, to actually get the book published, get it out onto Amazon and actually market it correctly? Um, well, first make sure you're writing the right book. People want to write about, Oh, this is popular. That's popular. But, Ask yourself what really freaking lights you up. What just makes you so happy and excited? You know, what's what you're passionate about something. That's what you need to write your book about. <clears throat> now, Amazon, you can actually self-publish on Amazon and Kindle. They have certain criteria and formatting and things that need to be um, met to get that done. But you can do it so for very, very little money. I mean, almost nothing. It's incredible. So if that's the route you want to go and just to get it out there, then fantastic. Just get your message out there and start talking to people. Hey, I'm writing a book and that will get your creative juices flowing. Oh, what's it about? So you start talking to people and some people look at you like, what? And other people are going to, oh, tell me more. So get your get yourself fed, feed your own brain. Talk to other people about it. I love it, brother. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm so grateful that we were able to hang out today and I truly appreciate you. If there's anything I can ever do to support your mission, I'm on, I'm on board 100%. If I ever get out to Colorado, I would definitely love to go go on a hike with you. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And same here. Whatever you need, you think of something, you call me. I'll be here for you. All right, brother. God bless you and the family. You too, sir. Love you. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show If you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee. And, and it will it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.